Hey, Queeros. Today's episode is sponsored by Mental Illness Happy Hour. Mental Illness Happy Hour is a weekly podcast hosted by comedian Paul Gilmartin, consisting of interviews with artists, friends, and the occasional doctor. I've been in the show, actually. I have guested. Paul is very kind, and the show is geared towards anyone interested in or affected by depression, addiction, or other mental challenges which are so prevalent in the creative arts. Psychology Today calls the show remarkable and says that it normalizes what so many others feel but have been too fearful or ashamed to express. You can find all episodes of Mental Illness Happy Hour ad-free only on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash mentalpod and use promo code query for a free month of Stitcher Premium. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cameron here. Today's guest, Leah Delaria. Oof, we had a great time doing this show live in New York as a part of Vulture Fest for Vulture and New York Magazine. That was a, a really cool experience. Thank you all of you for coming, showing up, selling out the show. Whew, I loved talking to Leah, who is really a pioneer as an out queer performer um, as an, and as an out stand-up. So I'm very happy to now know Leah and also to have gotten to like thank her for making it possible for me to do my job. Also, huge announcement, a week from today, June 11th, you will be able to download or stream my new special, Rape Jokes, which is an hour about sexual assault from my perspective as a survivor. I am really, really excited about the hour. I will tell you, I know there are survivors that listen to this show. Obviously, make whatever choice you want about what feels safe for you, but it is not a stand-up set that goes into graphic detail. It is about survival. It is about um, culture. It is about some changes that we should all make. And it is about coming together to solve a huge problem that affects so many of us. And stay tuned for more information about where you can get it. But the thing I am so excited about is that the special will be used as a fundraiser for a rape crisis organization. So I'm not making any money off of it. I'm going to clear production costs, which were very, very low, and then I'm going to use it to donate and try to do my best to get in the way of something that I know so many of you that listen have also experienced. Let's do it together. Let's try to make a stand, and let's try to center survivors as we talk about how to move forward in culture together. So please enjoy this episode and look, stay sharp, for June 11th when you will be able to grab my new special and help donate, make some change. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless. you all. Wow, that is, that is a hot mic. <laughs> Spicy mic. Um, you know, what I really, I feel so seen in this space right now because you're wearing a back-to-back tour t-shirt with my face on it, and then you're wearing two leather jackets. 
And so I really feel like as an audience, the way that you've organized yourselves, you've done a great job. You've really done a great job. You've given me a lot to feel safe about. Thank you so much. I'm Cameron Esposito and welcome to a live edition of Query, the podcast sponsored by VultureFX. We are so happy to be here. Let's hear it for you for getting tickets. This thing sold out. It is like so stressful when the show sold out, sells out, but like, who's this? Do you know what I mean? Like, who are these, who are these people? Who has done this to other New Yorkers? For the audience listening at home, I have pointed to empty chairs and made a funny joke. I, um, when I came, when I, when I knew that I was coming to VultureFest, I, there were so many people in New York that I could think of wanting to talk to. But when I was able to book this guest, I was just, like, just so stoked. Because one thing that is true that we don't talk about, I think, in, in my generation a lot, is how much we are a family and how we have a family history. And this comic is part of the reason that I can exist and get to do my job, because they paved way for me, um, and also continue to have a hugely successful career. Um, you might know them from Orange is the New Black, where they play Big Boo, but they are also a comedy hero of mine, so please welcome to the stage, Leah Delaria. Give it up for Leah. Is this chair fucking high enough? Jesus. They honestly, they took two tiny lesbians and put them on the tallest chairs. I know, it's crazy, right? Give me a fucking apple box at least. Anything. A half apple. Something. I know, we do. We're going to look really small. We're going to look much smaller than I feel like I want to look in the world. I feel like I'm always trying to take up a lot of space, but um, I'm lying because I I'm very small. I think it's probably small. good that I'm this small because my personality is so fucking big yes. that if it was attached to a giantess, I think people <laughs> would be really offended by me. You know, something that I do on the show is I have guests introduce themselves. I know I just introduced you, but will you humor me and introduce yourself for the, for the oh, show? Uh, yeah. Oh, sure. For the show? Yeah. Um, you mean like just say hi, I'm, and or, or what, how do you do like, it? I kind of like to see what people say. So oh, I just I say like, you know, will you introduce yourself as a sure. guest? And then I, and I'm interested as like what folks consider their introduction. Fantastic. Hi, I'm Leah Delaria. I'm uh, most famously known for Orange is the New Black, but I did not spring forth fully formed from the head of Zeus. I had a whole career before that. I am an actor. I am a singer. I am a stand-up comic. I am a writer. And I'm a womanizer. <laughs> we have so many things in common. <laughs> you know, Leah, I mean, tr truly, I, I don't know if you, you could, you could hear that intro backstage, right? What I said? I could hear your really hot mic. Yeah, my it mic, was like, my mic were hot. Um, what I, I mean, said, like, they could hear you in New Jersey could hear <laughs> my intro. Go ahead. What I said was that I really think that something we need to talk about more is the folks that made it possible for, like, I, I have a job partially because you did your job and got out here ahead of me and like fucking paved the way. So thank you for that. I don't know if people say thank you to you enough. Thanks for No, they don't, that. but thanks. Yeah. 
It's like kind of huge and cool to be able to say that to someone's face. Like, thanks for uh, taking some of that heat so that I could just take a little less of that heat. I think probably my proudest thing that I've ever done whenever anybody asked me that particular question, because I've done a lot of shit, but uh, for me, it's that I've been able to get to where I am without ever once having been in the closet. Not once. I mean, I didn't become famous and then come out. In fact, when I first started performing in San Francisco in 1982, on April 20th, yes, on 420, that was when I started performing in San Francisco, um, I billed myself as the fucking dyke. I didn't even call myself Leah Delaria. I was called the fucking dyke. The fucking dyke. Yeah. I had and then, like, did they think it was going to be a very active performance? Be- yeah. <laughs> because of the gerund that you used? Well, well, this is a static dyke, really. I mean, this is... This is really a static dyke. I love that you know that it was a gerund. Um, <laughs> that actually made me turn on for you, which is weird, because you're way too butch for me. Um, so, is that true? But, yeah. Oh, I'm outside yeah, your, your I spectrum? Go for, I, am a, I am a stone butch, honey. I go for high films. High films! Like on this chair or higher? Even? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Uh, Good one. <laughs> one. One thing that I find about myself is that I actually really am attracted to and interested in folks that kind of span the spectrum of gender. And, it, and my gender identity can, can shift a little bit depending on who I'm with. Like, I've definitely been in relationships where I was with folks who I would consider high femme. I've also been with folks who were trans or non-binary. And, and I feel like it's... Like, I don't know that I have a static place. I feel like very in the middle. Like, I used to even have this haircut that was like, <laughs> very in the middle. She's very... <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like I Cameron, ever... very in the middle. Yeah. It used to be Malcolm, now it's Cameron. Yeah, no, I, yeah, exactly. Well, I just was getting my makeup done today, and when I'm, like, working with a new makeup artist, I have to try to communicate to them what I want, but it's difficult because I'm like, give me what a boy would have, but pretty and a lot. I want to look like David Bowie about to perform, but brown, you know, like, it's like, stars. I don't like, don't put any pinks. I don't, it's very I hard. always say, do me the way you do a boy. I yeah. never say, but pretty. Right. Pretty right. is not what I'm going We're for. We're like definitely <laughs> occupying different space, which is cool. Like that's not, it doesn't have to be the same. There's room Just for we everybody. Wear motorcycle jackets. <laughs> they don't have to fit the same. That's true. True that. You started in 1982. I, this is just, this is just real. I was, I would have been one. I yeah. would have been one years old. Um, Excuse me. Pardon me. Fuck you. No, yeah. <laughs> but, you should look this good at 60. I turned 60 on Wednesday. You should fucking look this good. Yeah. Yeah, that is what I'm saying. I should look this good at 60. Like... Hope and pray, absolutely. Like, I want to hear about your skincare regimen. I want to know what's been going on for you. Have, is it just that you live in New York and there's no sun? What's happening? How did you achieve this? This well, wrinkle-free visage. I have to say, it's good genes because it is certainly not from taking care of myself. That, <laughs> I can assure you. Okay, well, I, I mean, smoke pot every day. I drink tequila every day. I don't go to bed before 4 o'clock in the morning. I am a real New Yorker. I find it hard to sleep at night. And basically, real New Yorkers find it hard to sleep because they're laying in bed realizing that somewhere in New York City there is a party <laughs> and you are not at it. See, that's why I live in L.A. That's never me. I'm, in the, I'm up in the night thinking about things, but I'm never like, where is a party? I'm like, oh, thank God, this isn't a party. Um, 
it's like really I, the differences between our cities. It's isn't totally it? true. I yeah. was staying at the. I can uh, like say this now because I'm not staying there anymore, so I don't have to worry about my safety. But I was staying at the Standard Hotel, and like when you walk into the here, standard, yes. the one with the boom boom room uh, downtown. Yes. yes. Did yes. they let you into the boom the boom room? The one with the boom boom room. <laughs> did they let you into the boom boom room? I did room? not try to go in there. <laughs> That's the Even opposite. with the name the Boom Boom no, Room? No, that, that, that's the opposite of a hotel experience that I want to have. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I want anonymity and a green apple and to go to bed. I want them to have a free basket of green apples and to go to bed. That's what See, I want. Like, I want an eight ball and a couple of hookers. That is the difference. Again, it's like a different gender, slightly different gender. Um, yeah. Classic green apple gender, <laughs> classic eight ball gender. Um, but the reason I mention our age differential is literally just to say, like, in my childhood, I, you, you saying that you were out the whole time. I have also been out the whole time, but first of all, I really struggled personally coming out before being on stage. Like, I did that all up top. You know, like, I did that at 20, and I started performing professionally, like, at 22. So I had, like, two solid years of just, like, uh, agony. But then I, then I, was, then I was out. Um, and doing stand-up on it. Well, first Which I is was, like therapy. Yeah, exactly. Well, Only really. it's better than, better than therapy because they're paying you. It's like the best therapy because we charge such exorbitant rates. Um, <laughs> well, I think honestly, I've thought about it so much recently that I think that one reason I was doing stand-up and being out on stage was to just like create a circle of safety around myself where it's like everybody in this room knows that I'm out. I have entertained them. They had a good time they're not gonna harm me or call me names, maybe, you know? And, yeah. I, and I feel like I am very curious as to what the experience was in, in 82. Because I, I didn't even know, <laughs> growing up, my entire childhood, I like didn't know gay people were real yeah. at all. Well, that was one of the reasons I made the decision to always be out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because when I was a kid, the closest thing we had to a lesbian um, on TV was... Um, I can't even think of one, honestly. There was nothing. Maybe June Lockhart in uh, Lost in Space. But uh, that's, you know, I just wanted that because she was so hot in that little tight suit. Um, But uh, so I never saw my own image and I never saw it in the theater much. And if I did see it in a movie, it would be some surreptitious, weird little queer little thing. Suddenly this, I, I recently talked about how I watched this movie when I was a kid, watch it constantly called Please Don't Eat the Daisies. And about a year ago, it was on TCM. So I went, oh, I used to love this as a kid. Let me, let me turn it on. And so I'm watching it going, why did I like this again? I, I thought this was so funny as a kid. Why did I like this? Why did I like this? Why did I like this? During the course of the movie, they talk about the doctor, quote unquote, the doctor, um, Dr. Um, Watson, whatever, whatever the name was. And, and they talk about the doctor, talk about the doctor, and you do not meet the doctor until the end of the movie. And when you finally meet the doctor, she walks in, she's wearing a suit, a tie, she's got riding boots on, she's carrying her doctor's, you know, and she's got this like hat on. And she walked in and I went, oh, Oh, that's why I like this movie. A real ring of keys yes, moment. Yes, my ring of keys. Nah, exactly. Absolutely. Ring of keys moment. No, totally. I mean, when you're so, talking about representation, I'm literally thinking like a nurse ratchet sort of a yeah. person is literally like the only person even occupying a space of strength on yeah. screen. And like she's a terrible person. Well, interestingly enough, in a lot of the old black and whites, and I'm, we've gone into a really weird place right now, but in a lot of yeah, the old black and whites. Yeah, lose this young um, audience. <laughs> 
Well, I, they look very academic to me, so I think they're going to be down with totally. it. Totally. Um, <laughs> they used to use, they would have a lot of like weird queer characters out of the blue. Like if you ever see this movie, it's a fabulous movie called Requiem for a Heavyweight. There is a total bull dagger in this movie who r- runs a bookie joint. And she like shows up and, ha- and it's out of the blue. You're watching like three quarters of the movie and then suddenly she shows up. But there's lots of those out there. Those are the only kind of representation that I saw when I was a kid. And it wasn't real. And so I made it, and plus we're talking about the 80s, so I was like, I was bald. I, was, I had my head shaved bald. I had safety pins in my ears. I had, you know, big boots on and a Bundeswehr, t- you know, shirt. The fucking dyke! I'm the fucking dyke! You know, like that. And uh, I call myself that because um, it, that, in that age, in that day and time, every day of my life when I would walk down the street, people would go, you fucking dyke. Look at that fucking dyke. So I thought, might as well call myself that. Um, and so I did that and became incredibly popular by September. I had quit my day job and was support, supporting myself solely as a stand-up comic. But I eventually had to call myself Leah Delaria because I was so popular, I would walk down the street and people would scream, you fucking dyke! And I didn't know if they were a fan or not. So, <laughs> this is a true fact. But like, so either way, you need to run. But yeah. it's like unclear why. <laughs> so I went to Leah Delaria and I've done that now. And you have, so. you have a pin on that, that says dyke. And I oh, actually yeah. was saying when we first met, that I literally have that exact pin. Like we have the same pin yeah. that I also uh, wear and love. And I used, to, I used to have like a, when I was, when I was first... When I was in my 20s doing stand-up, I constantly wore on stage a pin that had, like, the Nike swoosh, and then it said... I have that T-shirt. <laughs> I have that T-shirt. Okay, yeah. that's amazing. We have the same things. Um, <laughs> well, that's then, shocking to look at us, right. that we'd... Right, and then under it, I would wear a, a pin that said, God's gift to women. Okay. Oh. Um, I need that pin. Yes. I didn't know it existed. It's so good. It's so my, good. My manager's here. Jeremy... Yeah. God's gift to women pin, please. It definitely was not sold in a queer space. It was definitely me buying this from like some sort of uh, novelty shop for like fab, for like weird dads or something. And I bought it and was like, perfect. Fab. Perfect. Um, But I do think that reclaiming that is obviously so powerful. And I love that you also told us what you were wearing because that was literally going to be my next question. What did you look like in 82? The shaved head. Yeah, I was that The boots. Um, I just thought that Holly Nair was the end of the fucking world. And, you know, you guys are obviously really young because you didn't laugh when I said that. But I don't even... Part, who is that? Well, I'll tell you. At, back then, all we had for lesbian culture, quote-unquote, lesbian culture, dyke culture, it, rather than, like, inclusively queer culture, just for dykes, we had women's music. So there would be women's music festivals. And, there were women, and the, you know, the holy trinity of women's music was Holly Nair, uh, Meg Christian, and Chris Williamson. They were, like, we the whole... Holy Trinity. And I was, you know, young and angry and rageful. I was filled with rage. And uh, they would be like, oh, Chernobyl, why, why, why? <laughs> Death and destruction, why, why, why? And I was like, fuck this! We need our fucking rights! So, um, <laughs> that was me, yes. I, I, I really love queer culture and I really love lesbian culture, dyke culture. I don't know any of those names that you just said. Yeah. How, like, depressing is that? Or I think... Some of it is that we need to, I think, I think that our community needs to get a little bit better at 
passing on information between generations. This is why I speak at universities. I lecture at universities now, and that is my lecture. I talk about uh, the history of us in the latter part of the 20th century, like my personal history about it. I also include things from the past that informs that part of that history. But it gives my young community, my young queer community, an idea, a concept of our history. We don't talk about it enough. I mean, literally, that's the reason that I wanted to do this podcast is because the barrier to entry for podcasting is like, it basically costs zero dollars to record this or it's very low. And I, and I, and we can like for the first time in our history, we can record our voices mm-hmm. very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can connect with, there's a lot of people that I can kind of get to, like through social media or whatever, connect to and, and just save, save it, like save our history. I mean, there's also here in New York, y'all have a, like a lesbian history museum that I haven't been to yet that's in Brooklyn mm-hmm. that I really need to go to. But um, this is, I love everybody just looked at each other. <laughs> Why are we here? But aren't they? That, we should go to that. Why don't we just get a party bus? <laughs> this is a great idea. I'm in. Let's go. Hey, Queeros, this episode is sponsored by Tomboy X. Oh, Tomboy X, that undie brand that we all love. Why do we love Tomboy X? Well, because Tomboy X offers us bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, and boy shorts, tons of different styles of underwear. Also, they've got soft bras and racer back bras. They've got basic colors and fun seasonal prints, but they also have everything available in size extra small to 4X. That's what I really love about it, body positivity. And it will hopefully fit a lot of different types of bods. Also, they have these new nude underwear that are available in a bunch of different shades because it turns out human beings have a bunch of different skin tones. That's Those are called Tomboy X neutrals. And these underwear, they're for folks across the gender spectrum. So check them out. All you got to do is go to TomboyX.com slash query. Query listeners will get an extra 15% off with the code query. Again, use the code QUERY for an extra 15% off when you go to tomboyx.com slash QUERY. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Support for today's show comes from Zola. Zola is reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moment in a couple's life even happier. Yes, at Zola Registry, you can register for over 500 top brands and 50,000 gifts, experiences, and cash funds. That's what I like about it. They've got your favorite items from a department store, but also things like a honeymoon fund, fitness classes, wine subscriptions, and more. When I got married, I registered at a couple different places because Rhea and I wanted a few things for our home, um, and we also wanted to be able to take a trip together. So this is one way to also offer folks to be able to pool their money so that you're not, like, going to your wedding guests and being like, hey, do you want to buy me a $800 standing mixer? I know you've got that in the bank. No, Zola is <laughs> a place that makes it easy for you to accommodate the folks that are coming to support you. They also have a full suite of tools you can manage from the Zola Weddings app on your iPhone. Just head to Zola.com slash query to sign up and you'll receive a $50 credit towards your registry. That's Zola.com slash query for $50 toward your registry. And hey, congratulations. I also think especially this is true for the lesbian community, lesbian identified community, because when we talk about the 80s, 
And the 90s, the story that we hear, and by the way, this is like a story we should be telling, is a story of the AIDS crisis and the way that it's centered on like cisgendered gay men, a lot of whom are white. Like those are the stories that were pulled out from that time. So what was your, I mean, I'm just curious. Like Whenever anybody mentions Stonewall and talk about the drag queens, it really pisses me off that they don't mention the big big butch dykes because the daggers were there. We were there in force. And you know, we get left out of history. All the time. Do you, why do you think that is? Um, it might have something to do with being women. <laughs> I... I guess. <laughs> it's an outlandish idea, but yes, yeah, I suppose. it might be that. What were you... Where were you living when you started doing this job? What was your life like? Stand-up, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I was in San Francisco. I lived in San Francisco. Like, what kind of neighborhood did you live in? Uh, I lived in the Mission District, which was a big, big dyke neighborhood. Big dyke neighborhood in San Francisco at the time, and still is, I believe. Um, and uh, I lived a block away from this place called Artemis Cafe, which was a woman's only cafe. Men I weren't mean, even allowed to go to, in this cafe. You don't have to tell me the Artemis Cafe is a women's only cafe. <laughs> It's in there. It's in the name, right? Like that's yeah, definitely. It's, just, it's Artemis Cafe, yeah. and they used to have a. They used to have an event on Tuesday nights called Slightly Older Lesbians. You had to be at least. You had to be at least thirty-five to go, but. <laughs> But we also, you know, at the time we had a button that said, I like older women. That was a big part of the dyke world, too. So there'd be all these, like, girls trying to pass for 35 to get into them. You, you kill me. You have just broken to me in this moment that I am a slightly older lesbian. You are a slightly older lesbian. You know, you're a slightly open, older lesbian. I'm a daddy. So... I feel, I feel, I like kind of love daddy too. I'm like, I'm like, I feel you can embrace that. daddy. Daddy's good. Yeah. Daddy's good. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm I love, I'm turning 60 when, when lesbian culture has decided to embrace the daddy thing. So fuck yeah, I score. Yes. Congrats. <laughs> this is huge for you. I'm really happy. You are also the only person that correctly, you're, you're cock ring. I think it's fab. Yeah. They, I used to wear one in the nineties. I, <laughs> Thank you. Um, I've been wearing this around on my jacket and just waiting for people to be like, oh my God, you're wearing a cock ring in public? Like, how taboo? But everybody's just like, cool. Cool cock ring. Cool embellishment. Like, yeah, no, cool. Literally nobody. Nice, nice accessory. Yes, so many people. I literally had a friend be like, is that for like, do you hang something on there? And oh, I was like. what the fuck? Yeah, my keys. Yes. Off of a carabiner. Um, yes. Pull this when you want to stop the ride. <laughs> Let's but just keep making cockroaches. The nineties. I mean, I could go for a while. <laughs> I uh, think we both could. Hey, <laughs> that's why you use a cockroach so you can go for a while. Anyway, um, really, because really my dick can go for a while and it's at home in a box. Yeah, no, I have one in a drawer and another one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Somehow. Okay, come on. I've got how many? Do you have five? I have five. Well, I like to I, give a girl a choice. I recently threw one Which out one would you like, my dear? That I had had for a while. Oh, how do you do that? How do, how I, do you throw out an old dick? Well, I mean, number one, this is... This <laughs> that is, sounds like a This premise, is not right? how you do it. Like, absolutely, I only, like, my, my, like, green and, like, recycling brain only hit right after I had thrown it away. Because I just straight up put it in the trash. Which is not... Why, though? What you're Why? supposed to do. Well, it, this... 
I think this is just from like a place of shame. I don't think this is real because it's not like I wasn't like boiling it or cleaning it or whatever. But I just felt like, oh, this is like, this has too much history on it. This is. <laughs> but it was a really good one. Why would you toss a really good cock out? I don't Look, know. I have had the sa- I had the same cock for a really long time. That was my dick. Well, it was my dick. Girls, you know, when I got the, I, that was my dick. If, if they said choose, I, that was my dick. And uh, I called it the Terminator, in fact. And uh, ne- I never was with a girl who did not come on that cock. Let's just be clear. Never, never, never. So last year, I was having sex with this girl, and she fucking broke it. So, <laughs> so I had to go out and get another one. And that was, this was the horror of it. They had it. They had the shape, they had the size, but they had changed the formula so that it had this latex thing on it and it was softer. So by changing the formula, they fucked up the orgasm of the... So in other words, in order to make it look more like or feel or look like a real penis, um, it just didn't do its purpose, which was to make a girl come. Someone said, my God, I just swear to God, that just happened. But happy ending, happy ending. I did manage to find one of all places in Provincetown at the sex shop that they have in Provincetown. That's awesome. Only with the same formula. It was really old. Only it's purple and black marble. <laughs> it's like wearing a dildo in the shape of a dolphin almost. Like a it's really, really gross. <laughs> I, th- so even this conversation is probably why I threw that away. Because we don't even talk, I mean, we don't talk about sex toys. So, like, I think that the idea that you had one for a really long time that you felt was your dick, like, was my that's dick. not, I mean, it was is a this big a conversation y'all have heard before? <laughs> like, this, this is all kind of, I think, slept, swept under the rug. Even the idea, like, this is how much I think we don't talk about, like, the sex toys. Well, first of all, straight up, like, the way people with vaginas have sex. Like, mm-hmm. like, full, like full spectrum. Um, at all discussed, right? Like, number one, people don't understand uh, what's involved with fisting. Like, everybody's like, oh, it's too big. And you're like, well, that's not... Um, it's not... No, nobody's I, at, you're not doing that. Um, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. It's not, you're not, it's not a full-on... It's not a punch. They're not gonna... I'm not gonna punch you in the cunt. You're, like, doing the speed bag, and then you're like, come over here. <laughs> A little higher. Get one yeah. of those chairs. Um, yeah. No, I mean, we don't talk about that, so people don't have great information on that. Um, well, have you I, ever seen my fisting demonstration? I mean, I haven't seen your fisting demonstration. <laughs> I've done some of my own. Would you like to um, see it? Sure, yeah. Okay, can I have a volunteer? Oh! No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Okay. No, This is my no. fisting demonstration. No, no. This, will, this, will, this is going to go great in a podcast. This is my fisting demonstration. All right? This is how you fist. <laughs> Look for the car keys, look for the car keys, Judy Garland. <laughs> look for the car keys, look for the car keys, Judy Garland. Joan Crawford. I think we're, I think we're supposed to be like lifelong friends. Yeah. I am we like, should have a bromance, you I and am I. Like, we just met each other, that's I, so like, fucking weird but too. I, no, I'm like, I am so on your vibe. <laughs> so... You can take that anyway. Um, no. But Let's I, go on tour. So we like, yes. Let's go on tour. Wow, I can't fuck? believe we've just booked Jeremy, this now. Jeremy, we're going on tour. Yes. Set it up. Book uh, it. Book I, it, Dano. I, so we definitely don't talk about fisting. Uh, we definitely don't talk about 
like what's going on in terms of hands. I mean, mm-hmm. when I look at television, I have like a, pa- this is my patented term for what I see on TV when it's two people with vaginas. Um, I call it skydiving because that's, everybody's hands are visible. I know, what is he doing? What are they doing? That's so great. And everybody's coming simultaneously. I love it. What's so good? What's happening out of frame? I don't understand. Nothing has been put on. What's going on? They're not even really grinding. It's just a light kiss <laughs> on the li- on the face lips. Um, love it. Love so it's it. it's really I rough. Recently, I was having sex with a girl, and. Uh, Obviously, and uh, I can't believe I just said that. But we were we were fucking, and you know it was it was a hand job, right? And she came really hard, and then she was coming again. She was having a multiple orgasm, and the whole time she was going, "Oh my God, what is this? What's happening? What's happening?" Okay, she'd never been with a woman before, so she goes, "What?" So finally, she goes, she's taking her breath, she's getting her breath, and she goes, what was that? What did you, what, what was that? And I just went, I'm an actual lesbian. <laughs> that, that's what that is. I know how your body works, <laughs> and I care. <laughs> I, should do an, I should do a podcast that says, uh, it should be, I care about your orgasm, and you should too. Yes. And but it'll just be I, lesbian sex talk. Will I you would, be my first guest? Yes. Number one, yes. Jeremy, no, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> number two, I was very curious for a moment what was going to be the content of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I care about your orgasm. Let me prove it to you. Um, <laughs> That'd be a good podcast, too. Yeah, just like a, just a sex podcast. And no, no descriptions of what's happening. <laughs> just... <laughs> You're just listening, trying to figure it out. I also think <laughs> I'm very glad or we that could we're have somebody mime it, right? That's you know, not, yeah. But I'm full-on white face I'm, in the gloves. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm also very interested in like I love that we're just going right to talking about dildos and strap-ons and, and talking about how that's a normative part of some people's sex life. It's a normative part of our sex life because I also think I mean this is how little information is about that. The number of I've only seen it on television a couple of times, mm-hmm. but I have in te- on television seen this thing that made me like reor like just reorganize my thoughts about the I world. I wonder if it's going to be the same thing that I know, that I did. Okay, Go ahead. all right, all right, I'm ready. This is what I've seen. Okay, I have seen on TV. Um, somebody shows up to a place. Uh-huh. They have. It's unclear how they got there. Perhaps a bus. Could be a cab. <laughs> they might have driven. And they approach this other person, they're gonna have sex, and uh, take off their pants, and they're already wearing a, a harness with a, an erect yeah. dildo in it. <laughs> That's called packing. At that, right, but, th- <laughs> but it's not like a soft packer, it's like a, like a full-on erect penis. And yeah, I, I always pack the erect one. Okay, so I feel that as a representation of that moment, taking the pants off and having it already on is an unusual as opposed to the norm. I think the norm okay. is usually, hey, want to come home and then we'll put something on together? It's not, I've arrived and I already had this in my pants. And yeah, a lot of people noticed. <laughs> I was on a bus or train but or something. I don't know why, why, why they would take the entire pants off, though. That's also part of the fantasy. You know, you want to you oh, pull that a, out. Sure, okay. Um, have you ridden a public bus with an erect? 
In the 80s, I did. Um, in San Francisco, fuck yeah. Well, okay, um, the 80s in San Francisco, that feels like a political but, statement. Yeah, it is, it is. But when I first started as a stand-up comic, I talked about sex very, very, very openly, and it always got me in trouble. And But that was because women, dykes were very politically motivated and, act, and active, and really not sexually so. And when I had first come out, it was a very sexual... So when I came out in the 70s, lesbians were feminists, and feminists believed that monogamy was a tool of the patriarchy used to enslave women. So in order to be a good feminist, you had to fuck as many women as you possibly could. And I was a great feminist, okay? So um, that's when I came out. And then suddenly we went into this place where it just became, we were, it was weird. We became sexless. And um, this was maybe the latter part of the 80s. And uh, I was definitely one of the people that was out there. I, if you read old interviews, it says, I'm here to put the sex back in homosexuality. We need to talk about sex. We need control of our sex lives. Women have to be in control of their fucking orgasm, you know, like that. So and I did a lot of this stuff on stage. I used to do this crazy bit with a double-headed dildo that was all was a lot of fun. And uh, don't, no, no, it doesn't sound like what you no, think I, it is. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> no. No, but it was, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't like that. Like a workout move? It did. It was, uh, it was like, it was just stupidity because I think double headed dildos are fucking ridiculous. You look at it, I just think they're ridiculous. So it was me sort of making fun of a double headed dildo. But I think us being active about our own bodies is completely what it was to be a feminist. It's what it meant. And somewhere it got lost. I think we're getting it back again. I think it's come back with a vengeance, in fact. I mean, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that part of what you're talking about is also... Um, so, like, in the, in the 70s, people are becoming aware that, like, lesbians are real, mm-hmm. I guess. In the 80s, that's being confirmed further. Mm-hmm. And then the male gaze shifted into mm-hmm. focus where I mm-hmm. think before it was like so taboo or like or just like this isn't even happening well, to mean, then having that replaced with like this is something that um cisgender dudes get off on I know that I know that like cisgender lesbian dudes, chic yeah you're referring to lesbian yeah chic. exactly yeah. and I and I, I, I wonder if that isn't part of the reason that like our, our that sex is taken out of it because I also want to be taken seriously as a person yeah and when I know as somebody who's female bodied and female culture, like when I walk through the world, I'm already valued based on like my fuckability. Right. And then if I add to that something that somebody else thinks is performative for them, for Mm -hmm. them, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, you and I, we are having this conversation. This is more sex talk than I've done on any episode of Query. It's because I feel comfortable with you talking about this because you feel so comfortable with it. So like we're able to get there together. But But for so many people. sexual. It's something we should talk about. We live in a puritanical society that is, you know, telling us that sex is bad, especially fucking now. And, you know, it's a, it's a, an act of revolt to talk about sex as a woman and as a dyke, it's an act. It's an act of revolt. We are standing up to fucking asshole Trump and saying, fuck you, I'm a sexual being too. Yeah, sure. You can't, be, you know, that it is. It's an act of defiance. I mean, I, I 100% agree with you. And I have also always brought up, like, sort of what I thought was real uh, information about my sexuality and my sex life Good. on stage. I have always done that. Good. But I also have gotten and I mean I don't know I'm curious as to whether you have maybe perhaps the differences in our genders this might not be true like I have also totally gotten woos like woo from like a dude in the audience you know and that to me 
it, like, it does piss me off because I'm just like up here talking about my, have you seen stand-up comedy? Everybody yeah, yeah. includes information about sex. Like if you're not doing, if you're not wooing the dude who's fucking the stool, like I really would prefer if you also didn't woo me. Yeah. I'm doing this for a different reason. And also like, if it's like sexy for uh, the queer folks in the audience, like cool. Like I'm like, <laughs> I'm here for that. Like I'm here to make this a sexy experience for you, but it, I do, it's not, it's not, it's not yours, that guy, you know? No. I, have you gotten that? Never. Not, not, not on stage, yeah. ever. I've Nobody ever bunch. says anything when I'm on stage. They're fucking terrified of me. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, so again, I think it's like, it might be a gender difference. And I am on stage, and I, this, is a, this is a real thing. I, like, not too long, well, no, this would be a couple years ago. I was recording an album and said something about sex, and a dude wooed, and he didn't realize, like, so the audience is facing me. He was in the back of the room. He didn't realize how fear, I saved this man's life. He didn't realize he was in a room full of dykes because he was behind him. Like, they were all like, what? <laughs> like everybody was like reaching for their multi-tool, you know, like, a, I will cut him. I will cut him and I, and I was, I literally had to be like, sir. I mean, and I, I like destroyed him, but I also destroyed him in a way that was like protective and safe because I really was like, oh, you're gonna, you don't realize where you are. Like you are a guest. Also, I love when straight folks are in the audience, but like this is, this is maybe an experience for you. You haven't, you haven't been through before where like you are a guest in this space. Like this is my space as a comic and, 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 and you don't get to woo it away from me. You don't get to woo it. Hey, Queeros. Today's episode is sponsored by Mental Illness Happy Hour. Mental Illness Happy Hour is a weekly podcast hosted by comedian Paul Gilmartin, consisting of interviews with artists, friends, and the occasional doctor. I've been in the show, actually. I have guested. Paul is very kind, and the show is geared towards anyone interested in or affected by depression, addiction, or other mental challenges which are so prevalent in the creative arts. Psychology Today calls the show remarkable and says that it normalizes what so many others feel but have been too fearful or ashamed to express. You can find all episodes of Mental Illness this happy hour ad-free only on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash mentalpod and use promo code query for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Leah, I want to, before, I could, number one, I could talk to you like for the rest of the day and night, um, but I want to take some, let's just keep talking. Yeah, yeah. but I want to take some questions from the audience because this is one thing that's really cool about doing this show live is that we have a chance to hear from you and I don't, you know, get that when we're in studio. So I think there's supposed to be a microphone for you. Yeah, I see so there's one in the a microphone. Back. And if anybody wants to, and we'll try to take as many questions as we can. We have a, about 25 minutes, and I would love to just uh, do like a quick Q&A. You can ask both awesome. Leah and myself questions. Awesome. This person has a question. You want to run over there with the mic? Don't run or anything, because we've got 25 minutes. <laughs> So, hi, I'm a huge fan of both of you. Um, my name is Bernie. Um, I was wondering, because I am in a film school right now at NYU, and I've found it increasingly difficult to have a voice in the classroom, um, whether it be because I'm a woman, because I'm queer, regardless of any of that. It's very difficult to have a voice, and then 
also feel discriminated against in the classroom. I was wondering if you can talk about, especially in the entertainment industry, um, how to have a voice and how to speak up when you're trying to, when people are actively trying to silence you. Sure, first, great question. Thanks, and um, congrats on being in film school at NYU. I hear that's not bad. <laughs> I have an answer to this, and then I would also love to hear if, if you have an answer to this, because I have actually gotten this question before um, speaking at, at colleges, and my answer is the experience that you are having right now is going to prepare you for the rest of your career. If you feel unlistened to because of your queerness or because you're a woman or person of color, like if you are in a room in the entertainment industry and somebody is talking over you, ignoring you, uh, reformatting your ideas and presenting them as their own, welcome to the rest of your career. And I say that not to discourage you, but because you are actually ahead of the game. You know it's happening to you. You're experiencing it and you're aware of it. And you're at an age where you can really figure out how you deal with this for the rest of your life. So I don't have like a quick answer. I think it's really about like, you know, growing that backbone and, well, the first step is recognizing it. And you've already done that. Some folks literally never do that. So you're ahead of the game. And then I think the second one is figuring out what works for you in dealing with a vibe and a situation that you're kind of going to be in forever. And if you get good at it now, your, your career will be, you'll be a success because you'll know how to do that. Is that helpful at all? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I would add to that, um, not a whole lot because everything was absolutely true, what was said. But I think as you get further along in your career, you pick and choose your battles. I do not always accept this, what we are discussing right now. In fact, I've reached a point in my career where I don't accept it at all. But uh, during the course of my career, there were times, I think the perfect example I can give to this was um, the lesbian moms on Californication. So I played um, a lesbian mom on Californication. And when I read the scene, I was upset by the language. And I said to my manager, I don't even want to, fuck this, I'm not doing it. I'm not fucking doing this. And he said, well, what if you do the part and get on the set and then change the offensive line? And that had never occurred to me because I was the fucking dyke, right? So it was like that, what, moderation? Um, <laughs> so what, compromise? And, uh, and I did it, and that's the thing I did. So I took a line that was really, to me, offensive as a butch dyke and pitched a different line to the person who wrote it who said, oh, that's not only a, a like, better line, accurate, and description of a, a Butch Dyke, it's also funnier. And, and I got to say to him, all the Butch Dykes in the world who watch this are gonna jump up and down when I say this, and we've done a good thing here. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes you can do that, and sometimes it's just about, fuck you, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just gotta go, I don't have to do this. I have my own talent, I have my own career, and I'm gonna go for it. You know, I'm gonna go deal with my stuff. That is, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I have also, I've done the same thing on, mm. on a couple different projects and, and um, there are two things going on and I'm really glad you brought that up because it, it kind of illustrates like, the one thing is um, just somebody being an ass and deliberately trying to hurt you. And then the other one is the, 
gulf of ignorance, like not having that better line. Like you have the better line. And mm-hmm. so the other thing that we have as a tool, like, we, you know, so easy to feel as like a woman, as a queer person that like we, we don't have anything to offer because that's what culture tells us, but we have the better line because we live that experience. So we actually know what to suggest. And I, I think that's a great way of look, looking sometimes at Sometimes they power. listen to you and sometimes they don't. Totally. It just really becomes, it becomes about that. But in terms of them usurping your ideas, talking over you, dismissing you because you're a woman and a dyke, that shit will happen constantly. It's happening. It still happens to me. You know, just as you move forward, you've got this great experience. Just pick and choose your battles. That's Love all it. I would have. That's Thank such you a so much. great job. Great job, everyone. Thank you. Great job. I would love to take another question. Who else has something? There's a person up here that has a question. Up in front. Thank you. Um, Hi, I'm Michelle, big fan of both of you. Um, I have been reading some interesting quotes with writers and comedians and entertainers lately who are also minorities talking about how they think their work is better than it would have been if they weren't Uh, if they hadn't had those experiences. And I wonder if you can talk about um, whether you think that your comedy is better off um, because you're queer and in what ways um, and how it's kind of made you um, better and, yeah. (laughs) Do you want to take this one first? Yeah, I I think that uh, it might be different for me um, in that because I've been doing it for so long. Um, But uh, I think comedy is good and I think that's the essence of your question. I believe the comedy is good when you are using it to affect some kind of change. When, it, when you use it as a political tool, I don't, I'm not a person that's going to walk up on stage and talk about airplane food or my fucking socks getting lost in the dryer. That's just not who I am. And I find those comics really horrifying. I really just want to blow them the fuck up. I just, it makes me crazy. So um, I'm not, I, so personally, yeah, I think my shit is better because I'm talking about real things. Now, having said that, I'll do the goofiest bullshit you've ever seen. I mean, I, these are young people, so I don't know if anybody remembers, I used to have this bit called Whack a Butt Plug. And it was, and it was just like, you know, whack a mole or, or, you know, put the chicken in a pot affair, only it was put the butt plug in the basket. So I had a big teeter-totter with the biggest butt plug you've ever seen. And you would have to whack it with a hammer and shoot it across the stage while I sang the Whack a Butt Plug song, right? Whack a sounds, butt plug, whack a butt plug, whack a butt plug, whack a butt plug, whack a butt plug. So the lyrics, I think I get plug. the lyrics, yeah. Yeah, then I made the audience sing it with me. And then in case they forgot the lyrics, I had big signs with the lyrics on it. So every sign just said whack a butt plug. So, I mean, I will do nutty. I will do that shit because it's stupid and funny. But the majority of what I'm trying to do is, has always been, because that was my choice from the very beginning, to affect a change. That's it. So that's why I do what I do in order to affect change and, of course, get laid. Amazing answer. Um, I, I also think... Well, here's something that I particularly value about my identity. As a part of the queer family, I have generations that are younger than me. And those folks understand what is working now in culture and um, like what words to use. I, I don't know if you have heard folks talk in stand-up about like, oh, I like really need to use this word. I can't replace this word. This is like so important to me. And like, you know, PC culture is making me unfunny because I can't use these. Being a queer comic, 
I am connected in, the, in a familial way, but these aren't my kids. Like, you are my peers. We are peers. We are family, but we are peers. And so I am connected down, going down. And when you are trying to sell tickets, people that are 50 are not necessarily coming to every late-night stand-up show in every city across the country. It is 18 to 35-year-olds. So I actually have this huge advantage where I am out on stage speaking to a younger generation that I'm more in touch with than most people my age. I constantly need to improve. It's not like I'm, like, you know, nailing it, but at least I have, like, access to some information. And I think that that's also something we don't talk about, like, that queerness or any, or being part of any underserved community gives you, like, that community has a culture that's tight-knit and communicating about what's happening now. It's like, I am, um, in terms of ticket sales and potential growth for fan base, I am in a, a great position because I am not... I am less likely to piss you off. And so you're, you might come back. So, yeah. Yeah, I can't say that. <laughs> At all. But I've always said, it's always been my thing, that if I offended you, then you probably fucking needed it. That has always been my attitude about that. Well, that's not totally what I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not saying steering away from offending things. I'm talking about more like... You know, some comics do the same material for 10 years. And I am not ever going to do that because I'm a part of a culture that is evolving. Like, the different words... We use words today we didn't use yesterday. So that's rad, and it keeps me... It makes me continue to write, and that's going to make me a better comic. So, thanks, friends. You should talk to some of the other Dyke comics about that. Oh, I'm not going to tell them the secret. <laughs> Listen to young people evolve your material. No, I'm not going to tell I'm them that. Gonna- I don't want my sister to succeed. <laughs> um, what else? Who else has a question? Yeah. One, yes, this person. This person right here. Hi. Uh, my name is Alex. Obviously, big fan. Thank you so much for doing this podcast, Cameron. Oh, um, thanks, Alex. I was just wondering. So I'm a trans guy in the military, and I, I think you can imagine what kind of... Uh, issues that's brought up, but I'm wondering throughout your careers and the way that you've faced discrimination, where has, have you found your like, greatest source of support? Thank you for your service, first of all. Everybody and, should clap. Did you like the SVU that was recently on about the trans guy in the military? I did not know. Oh, you, I think you'll really like it, that's all. It was, very, it was really well done. I'll check it out, thank you. Um, I am sorry that this is happening to you right now. I would imagine that if I were in your position, I would be really scared. So I'm sorry that you have to go through that. It is not anything that you should have to go through, um, especially making the decision that you've made with your life. So just know that other people know that outside of yourself. Where have I turned for strength when I really needed it? Um, I am... I am luckier than most people in that I have a partner who understands very specifically what I'm talking about. Um, When I talk about things that have happened to me in my personal life that have made me feel really unsafe or um, things that have happened to me professionally, I have a partner. We've had a lot of similar or related life experiences. So I am very lucky. 
If that's not true for you, I don't know what your situation is. Is that true for you? Yes, well, that's great. I mean, you're, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Also, you can't totally rely on a partner. Um, I hope that there are... I would really recommend a therapist if you have... If that's at all accessible to you financially. Okay, then you, look, at, look at how good a job you're doing taking care of yourself. Um, I would also recommend... I mean, this is truly something that I do. I, I consume so much queer media because it's, because it's okay to be me in there. Obviously, you listen to the podcast. You're already doing that. Look at how you're nailing all of the things. <laughs> um, and the other thing that I do is I... I mean, and this is really specific to me. I try to move my body a lot because when I get really stuck in my head... Um, I can get in there for, like, a real long time. And I have always, my entire life, been, like, a big walker. I mean, like, a walker, like, like to a... I was telling somebody last night that one time I bombed here in New York, and it was for a big audition. I was so upset. I walked off stage, didn't even stop, walked out the door, and then walked 80 blocks. (laughs) Walked it off! But I find that something, um, something about like being in the world, like trying very hard not to isolate, because isolation is, it, it can feel so good, right? But um, trying to put yourself out there, seeing other people, like just walking, look at, I mean, do you live here in New York? No, I came from Maryland. You what? I came from Maryland near Baltimore. Ah. Well, Baltimore's really fucking cool. There's a great drag scene. What? There's a great drag scene. There's a great drag scene. There's also just like, a, I mean, the buildings are pretty. You know, like just, I literally mean like reminding yourself that the world is bigger than you and, and that, that our stories aren't new. That like, you know, we're, especially when we talk about trans folks, it's like the narrative that's being fed to us that you are new, like you are not new. You have always been here. There are people who walk, I have this like, this, well, somebody told me this is a vintage um, flag pin, so I bought it, and they probably lied to me. Like, probably, <laughs> like they probably were like, "This is a vintage flag pin," and I was like, D- "Sold." And then they, I walked out the store, they just like took the another one. <laughs> um, but I bought it and was in, was interested in wearing it because it made me think about like, "Oh my God, what if somebody wore this before me?" And like, who was that person? So you've always been here. Somebody else walked those streets. Somebody else looked at that building. Somebody else was in the military, and either they transitioned or they that's who they were and they couldn't. And so, like, you are not historically alone. And whatever you can do to remind yourself of that, if it's your partner, if it's a therapist, if it's just, like, taking in the world around you, that seems to me to be a way to stay healthy. I wish you the best. Oh, um, you did that so eloquently that I was just going to let that slide. Um, I feel a real kinship. How can I start this? Um, When I came out, it was illegal to be queer in every state of the union. I spent the night in jail twice for open and notorious homosexuality. That was my crime. And it, once in Illinois and once in Missouri. In Illinois for holding hands with a girl, in Missouri for doing a whole fuck of a lot more. <laughs> and um, so, 
there was nowhere to go, really. There, were, there was a, a, the community was so tiny. The first gay pride parade that I went to in St. Louis when, when I came out, uh, there was maybe 100 people. And uh, the person I went with wore a mask, okay? So I've seen the world change in a variety of different ways. And I think it gets hard. I believe me, I understand me when I say I personally know it gets hard. It gets very difficult. I have always tried to rely on myself. I think having a personal inner strength in a situation like this is really, really important. And when I can't rely on that anymore when I feel that myself, you know, that I just, I don't feel strong. I'm not going to get through this moment. Thank God for marijuana. <laughs> but what I think I see happening for you and for everybody, uh, the younger queer generation, which I am absolutely amazed by, is what our community is, that there really is a community, that there really are places to go. There are centers, there are people, you know, there are therapists, there are your friends and your family. They have, if you don't have your family, family, because your family said God doesn't love you, by the way, fucking no one has the right to say God doesn't love you. But if that happened to you, then you get your own family. You have your own family around you that you have for support. You know what I mean? But I encourage and try to encourage everyone to live their life in what I call, it's a jazz lifestyle. You take, you take what comes to you and you give it back in kind. But that's really important. Loving yourself is probably the second most important thing. And then the third most important thing is no fucks given. No fucks given. No fucks given. So when someone is like that, when someone's like, if someone is giving you this shit and they're in your face and they're giving you this shit, remember that as queer people, we are smarter than generally anybody around us. So, and the language of queers is sarcasm. So, you know what to do. That's, I love that because I, I was also gonna say self. I really was. And then I was like, it has to be, there has to be a different answer, but, but you're right, a lot of it is self. I mean, that's really true. And some folks never have to develop that. And like, God, that actually must suck, right? To never have like a relationship with yourself where you're stoked on who you are and you know what you've been through. Like the person who believes you always can be you. So I think that's a huge thing to remember. And Rad, I think we probably have time for like one more question. Um, so this person maybe, is the person. Let's see if we can do two. We'll see. Try to keep our answers short. Yeah. We love to talk. Gosh. Uh, Cameron, Leah, thank you both for being here today. I was thinking about one thing that you were starting to say where culture is moving forward. And what I, what I think is that people move culture forward. Podcasts like this move culture forward. And the question that I have for you is, we're all here, we're all representing different industries, different parts of the community. What would you like to see from the community coming out of this podcast? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I got one. Fame and fortune for me. <laughs> no, um... <laughs> This is something I have been talking about so openly uh, recently. 
your disposable income, whatever it is, whatever your disposable income is, put it back into the community. Because I, I really feel that we have not been openly calling for that as much as we should. So what I mean by that is like, go see Love, Simon. I don't care if you don't want to see Go Simon, Love, Simon. Go see Love, Simon. And bring your friends and, and um, download and purchase or stream queer music made by queer artists or not music made by queer artists. And, I, this is lit and I, I only feel that I can say this to others because really since the election, I have kicked into overdrive in making sure that I do this. So if there's somebody coming through town, a band, if it's like somebody I know, um, you know, I, 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 I go, I take photographs, I post about that I was there. I mean, not just having folks as guests on the show and hoping to like grow their circle that way. Um, my, like, if I have a little extra change to give philanthropically, I'm giving it to an organization that works with queer folks. Like, this is, this is just what I am being so intentional about the, and this is not like a shit ton of money. Like, something I have been doing that I have found very effective is um, for, there's an organization, Trans Lifeline, that provides a call-in service for trans folks in crisis. If I, I have given multiple times a donation and I take a screenshot of the donation that I gave, which I usually keep very low to make it like, this, isn't, this doesn't have to be a lot of money. This can be $15, you know? And I post that. I show other people, this is what I'm doing. And like, can you, and the, folks will create a thread. I mean, literally, I've, like, I've just seen this happening. So this is what I would like to say to all of you, where, wherever you are, like, there are folks already doing this. Look for those folks support them, trust that they will want to hold the door open and continue to hire um, folks to enrich their world. And like, I mean, truly, you being here today is one way you're already acting on what I'm talking about. So, you know, when you leave today, talk about on your social media how incredible Leah is. You know, like, this is, I'm serious, this matters. Like, the thing that moves the needle right now is um, groundswell of support. And we have a community that can do this. Like, I look to um, the black community. Black Panther is an incredible movie. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I'm yes. so glad I went to see it. Everybody, you know, I'm, 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 it deserves all the success. And also, people fucking came out for it. So that's what we need to do across any underserved or underrepresented community. But, and in terms, of, and I agree with you 100%, but in terms of the support, we do need to support each other. And this, I think, is the biggest problem within the queer community today, infighting. If we spend half the time that we spend screaming at each other, if we spend half the time screaming at the powers that be, we would have had our rights five million years ago. We must remember that we are not the enemy. They're the enemy. So all that time we spend talking to each other about, I don't like the word that you used. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you in, in any way, shape, or form. If it came out of a place of me not understanding, please talk to me about it. But don't go, I hate you, I'm going to unfollow you, you used the wrong word, how dare you say that? We have to stop doing that. We need to come together in a place of love and find our sameness in the fact that we are disenfranchised less than individuals in our society. We all are. We're all in this together and the only way we're going to beat them is by remaining fucking together in our fight. There.
I, it's not just financial. No. It also has to be emotional. Oh, and ab- absolutely. I, I, comp- I very much agree with you. And I think what you're talking about also, you know, has an action item. Because when folks... That doesn't mean never tell people what you want to be called. That doesn't mean never suggest the words that you use or the pronouns that you use. I think what I would advocate for and what I would hope, and it sounds like you, and you know, like what I hope we're all working towards is just like uh, giving people the benefit of the doubt, constantly moving towards improvement together. Like those two things at the same time. So we should continue to have the conversations that we're having, but it should, and social media can make everything feel so heightened and immediate and it has to be solved now, but it doesn't have to be solved now. It's about creating a conversation that continues to make change happen. And so all of those things are valuable along the way. And so just as long as we're not stopping the conversation, then we're moving. So that's, I think, the goal. True that. Wow, we are smart. We're smart. (laughs) We have a lot of good things to say. We are really, really smart. I feel that it is actually, we are, we are like kind of out of time and I really would love so much. There's like 52 seconds left and a giant blinking red light. No, we're, we're going in the oh, other direction. We're, we're over time. We're over time. Oh, we're over time. 59. Yeah. One minute. <laughs> one minute and one second. One minute and two seconds. One minute and three seconds. First, I want to thank you all for being here today. Let's hear it for you. I also really want to thank Leah Delaria for all the work. For being here today, but for all the work, you're awesome. And I am Cameron Esposito. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great rest of your day. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, Yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, (laughs) Jazos. Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.